0: Tonight, is it time? Is the Fed going to step off the gas in its fight against inflation? Speculation. It is spreading. You're listening to Simply Money, presented by Allworth Financial. I'm Amy Wagner, along with Steve Sprovac. Man, it is like trying to read the tea leaves, right? One person speaks, markets respond, this is it, the change has come. It's amazing, we've said this many times this year, Steve, but how much power the Federal Reserve is wielding right now. One member speaks... And, and, and the entire globe is listening.
1: Oh, I, I remember the old E.F. Hutton uh, commercials. When E.F. Hutton speaks, everybody listens. You get <laughs> one, yeah, and the whole room would go quiet when that E.F. Hutton person would say, well, I think, and boom, you know, the crickets, yes. and let's hear what they have to say. That's the way it is with the Fed. and And that's because everything, economically, market valuations, it all boils down to when is the Fed, here's the fancy term that we're hearing a lot more of. When is the Fed going to pivot? When are they, <laughs> when are, when are they going to stop raising rates and start talking about dropping rates? And when that happens, watch out.
0: The reason why the markets have been right, like end of last week, like what's going on? What's the good news? Well, on Friday, Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco's Mary Daly said to policymakers, listen, you should probably start planning for a reduction in the size of interest rate increases. Uh, She stated that a slowdown um, to incremental increases of 50 or 25 basis points will be appropriate as we approach the terminal rate. What does she mean? Well, the markets had already priced in what, 75 basis points in November next week, and then another 75 basis points in December, just trying to, again, read the tea leaves. And she's like, well, maybe not.
1: Well, a lot of people are going to the Church of Wishful Thinking these days. (laughs) I think you you might be right. I mean, we we are so desperate for some good news, Amy, that all you have to hear is, hey, maybe not three quarters of a point. And, you know, next one, I think, is a given three quarters of a point. Maybe we'll drop it from three quarters to a half a point. And woohoo,
0: let's go, let's go. She honestly didn't even say that. She didn't say what we could expect in December. But well, I she think said in what
1: we hear, maybe two completely different things. Well, I, I, you laugh
0: about it, but I honestly think that is what's been happening yeah. this year. Every time there is a, a glimmer of, shall we say, bad economic data, which means good news as far as the Fed slowing things, markets are on a tear. Yeah. Well, this must mean. And then all of a sudden the Federal Reserve then takes another aggressive measure and, oh, wait a second, Right. The Federal Reserve has said many, many times this year, our only focus, our only focus is on pulling inflation down. Their goal is 2 percent. We are far north of there right now. And you've got one person in the Federal Reserve saying, I I don't know, maybe not.
1: Well, I mean, here's what's going on from, you know, macro level 30,000 feet. Use whatever catchphrase you want. But, you know, there's an old adage that when there's no more buyers, you're at the bottom. And I have been hearing for weeks about, oh, what do you think, Steve? Oh, that OK, that's cute. You know, yeah, we'll recover. Yeah. Not for years, Steve. Yeah, you know, there's so much pessimism I saw pessimism a headline today that said
0: decades, a yeah. decades-long yeah. bear markets. Yeah,
1: yes. which by the way, just cut out the extremes on both sides. Please. The truth is somewhere in the middle. You know, it's the they're the ones that get the headlines, but not a lot of credibility, as far as I'm concerned. But you know that that's we're, we're, we're reaching. We want a quick recovery. And my experience, and and again, let's just go back to that when everybody says, "Hey, this is the best place to put money. Invest it as soon as possible." You're usually near the top, and when you hear things like oh, man, this is going to last for years. I wouldn't put a dime in the market now. It's just the beginning. We're going to have to see changes in Washington, blah, blah, blah. Um, That's usually somewhere near the bottom. The question is, all right, is is this bounce the, the the real bounce off bottom, or is it another bounce like we saw back in June? In June, Amy, we had a seventeen percent increase in stock prices yeah. back in June. It felt like the real deal. If you waited till it was up sixteen and said, Okay, I'm putting my money in, the dust is settled, I'm back in, you got burned because it dropped down seventeen percent and then a little bit more. So yeah. that uh, you know, now the question is, is October twelfth the new bottom? I don't know. Yeah. I, I, you know, you just don't know. But it may be. It may be another dead cat bounce. Sorry, PETA. It's just a, a phrase. But, you know, <laughs> we, we don't know. But I'll tell you what, we we know at some point we're going to recover. The question is, it is the bottom? Has it already happened or will we revisit it sometime in the near future?
0: Well, and trying to pinpoint the timing in real time is nothing but speculation. I yeah. mean, it, even even when you have a member of the Fed coming out and saying, listen, here's what I think we can expect. This is not a take it to the bank statement because economic data will come out after the time between the time she said that statement yeah. and the time that the Federal Reserve is making making their moves. And as each piece of data comes in, that changes the outlook for them, right? So they don't already know what's going to happen even next week or next month uh, And so you know you you look at the data coming in, and, and, yes, these are these are weekly numbers, but jobless claims down again, right, that the labor mm-hmm. market mm-hmm. remains strong. Why do we care about that? Well, if this was working, if the Federal Reserve's aggressive actions to bring down inflation were working, there would be a domino impact that would likely impact the labor market. There would be a tightening. Right. You would be – worried about losing losing your job. I mean, we would probably be looking at the reality of a recession. Uh, and so I think you can have kind of one-off, one member of the Fed saying something. I, you know, listen, it's my 401k too. I'm happy when the markets are up. But I don't know if we've really seen the last of this aggressive action by the Federal Reserve. You're listening to Simply Money tonight here on 55KRZ. As we make sense of the markets, right? What's happening on Wall Street? What's happening on Main Street? And all of the reaction—it's just too soon to say.
1: Yeah, you know, Andy Stout, uh, chief investment officer of Allworth, has always said, "When the data changes, my opinion changes." Yeah. So it's not like the Fed is flip-flopping. I, I mean, they're—they're they're open about, hey, we got to see if they're based what on we're, the facts. Yeah, wh- what if what we're doing is impacting the economy? But the problem is there's a six, seven, eight, nine-month lag time. So the things that they started doing back in January and February... We're just beginning to see if it has an impact on the economy and is slowing it down because we're, we're in that period, Amy, where bad news is good news. We want to see the economy slowing down so the Fed does reduce their increases in interest rates and goes through that that pivot that, that we're focused on. And, and when you start to see more and more people talk about, hey, the Fed pivot looks like it's going to be whatever, second quarter, third quarter of, of next year. That's when you know some of the money that's been sitting on the sidelines. By the way, there's $5 trillion sitting on the sidelines right now, most of which is going to re-enter the market at some point. So there's a lot of pent-up demand for buying stocks. So don't be surprised if the market starts to move before the good news happens, because that's generally what happens. I I mean, 2009, what was the bottom? March? March 9th, something like that? March 10th, something like that. Tell tell me, you know, things were clear and, and, oh, it's time to get back in. No, on March 10th, March 11th, April, May... Things were as ugly as they were for the previous year, but eventually we got out of it. I've gone back and, looked at yeah. gone back and yeah. look at
0: the headlines. I've gone back and at the headlines on the market hit bottom. You do research. I should start yeah, doing I that. Did that. I should start doing uh, that. And, and well, We've done it, you know, several times over yeah. the, over the years, and it, it, there was nothing anywhere in any major paper on any major website that made no. it think that okay, maybe the, the the clouds are parting and the sun is coming out and we're seeing better days and the economy is strengthening and all of this is behind us. Nothing. So nothing. your research
1: proved me right.
0: It did. Scary. I am I am backing Scary. you up, my friend. <laughs> Here's some more good news in this good news is bad news kind of world. Places where markets that are tied very closely to interest rates. Think about you were going to buy a home, and now all of a sudden interest rates have what doubled yeah. maybe since the beginning of this year. Or buying a new car or a used car. Though In those kinds of places, we are seeing a tightening. I mean, in fact, in the real estate market, it is like um, – seized up overnight. Kind it's of like situation. a light switch. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I just talked to somebody last week that I've known for years and years and years was in the mortgage uh, department of a, a large local bank here. Lost her job. I, I mean, that's that's the impact. And, you know, I guess that's what we're looking for. The Fed wants to see, a, you know, not necessarily a recession, but they know that that when they say there's going to be some more pain before we can get inflation under control, that that's pain. I mean, when you lose yeah. your job or some, you know, somebody, you know, loses their job and wasn't expecting it, that's pain. That's what you can expect because of the Fed increasing interest rates. And it's not just real estate. Any large ticket item where you generally borrow money like a car you know, who, who pays cash for a car? Yeah, there's a percentage, but most people take out a loan. You know what those rates are? Those rates are sky high compared to where they were a year ago.
0: And they make a difference, right? I mean, we've talked sure. on this on this show about if you know what your mortgage payment would have been a year ago with the yeah. interest rate at what three point two five percent, something like that, three percent versus now at seven percent. For a lot of people, it's hundreds of dollars difference. Oh, it might be a, a grand. thousand, yeah. yeah. And when you look at that, well, for some that's cost prohibitive for it, some it, people, right? For a lot of people,
1: it is. And and believe it or not, and I was talking to my son, who's an engineer for a large automotive manufacturer. Um, there are still supply chain issues out there. So yeah. you know, let, let's take you know. What is inflation? It's too many dollars chasing too few items. Well, you know, maybe the items would be there if there weren't supply chain issues. China is still a very large manufacturer of a lot of stuff that's, that's distributed all over the, the world, especially in the automotive industry. There's still supply chain issues because China is still locking down entire towns if there is a covid spread going on. So while you have that going on, you've got, you know, in that case, kind of an artificial um, uh, limitation on on supply. But it's still a a limitation on supply. You know, so we've got to get past all of these issues to get inflation down. We're gaining ground. It's better than it was a year ago, but we're not out of the woods.
0: And when you say we're gaining ground, what that means is the economy is losing momentum, right? I mean, that's how we're gaining ground right now. There are a number of kind of uh, economic data pieces that are coming in showing, okay, this is slowing down and and that's what we want. But there's a lot of other areas that are not slowing down at the pace, I think, that the Federal Reserve, that the markets would want. And and that's what we're dealing with here.
1: It it is. and, And I'll tell you what, Amy, we're getting a lot of numbers this week. This turns out, at least for the short term, to be an important week. We're getting a lot of earnings coming in apple you know big companies like that we want to see reduced earnings believe it or not but again bad news is Good news. It shows consumer sentiments
0: out this week, too, right? That's how a how big we all one. feel about the well, economy. I, I
1: know how I feel. I think a lot of <laughs> others feel the same way. New home sales. I don't think there's going to be any surprises no. there. Um third quarter GDP, gross domestic product. Believe it or not, it's expected to be over two percent. Remember, the first two quarters of this year were minuses. Negative. And technically, that's a recession. Didn't really feel like it. I don't I don't think that. The first two quarters were a real recession. Um, but, you know, that that's one of the numbers. We're personal spending. You know, are we still spending money? Yes. Is it down? I don't know. We'll see. These are numbers e- economists and analysts are going to be taking a hard and close look at this week.
0: Here's the Allworth advice. Making financial news based on buzz, based on speculation, what you read daily. Man, it is a dangerous game to play. Let history be your guide here. You know, we often rip the IRS, but not this time. They just announced something that could really help you retire earlier. It is a big deal. We're going to explain next. You're listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station. listening to Simply Money, presented by Allworth Financial. I'm Amy Wagner, along with Steve Sproveck. If you can't listen to our show every night, we'll subscribe to get our daily podcast. You can listen the following morning, maybe while you're riding to work or at the gym. And if you think maybe your friends, well, maybe they could use a little bit of financial advice, we'll spread the word to them as well. Search Simply Money. It's on the iHeart app or wherever you find your podcasts. Straight ahead at 643, going to talk about common mistakes that you could make about college that could have a huge negative impact on your retirement speaking of retirement some good news here if you use a 401k uh, the IRS every year determines how much the maximum amount that you can put in and this year we're seeing that amount go up more than we have man in a long time in
1: a long time yeah Uh, let's put the two words inflation and IRS it, it, and make a positive out of it. Is that possible?
0: I would have thought that would yes? I know. <laughs> but, but
1: this is one of the few good things you can say about inflation. And you know, if you draw Social Security, you know, okay, we're you're going to be getting a raise because inflation is high. It's going to be a fairly large increase. Well, the the IRS is working through all of all of the numbers that they do, and a lot of these items that they set limits on are being indexed for inflation. Now, this doesn't help us this year, Amy, but in 2023. We're looking at the max you can put in of your own money into your 401k is increasing from $20,500 to $22,500. Um, that's almost 10%. That's yeah. a $2,000 increase. And on top of that, if you're an old guy like me, you're not there yet, but if you're an old guy like me, uh, the catch-up provision goes from 6500 to 7500 in addition to that baseline increase. So, you know, some people out there are just great savers. We want to make sure you have an emergency fund. We want to make sure you you have, uh, uh, you know, 401K contributions to allow you to retire when you want. And if you can continue to put even more money away, a taxable investment account. Those are the three major buckets. But if you can max out your 401K contributions, oh, my goodness, especially with the market down, uh, you can put away a lot of money, and it's going to do a lot of good for you and allow you to live a lot better in retirement than if you just stick with the old numbers.
0: And I think it's easy to say, yeah, that sounds great. But like maxing out my four hundred and one k, who can do that? Yeah, I yeah. will tell you, I am not a do as I say. I, like, I, I, I walk, you know, I, I walk the walk too, right? And this, I have made many sacrifices through the years in order to be able to put as much as I possibly can into that four hundred one k, because I really truly believe. And there are there are years when certain things can't happen, but I'm I'm maxing out that four hundred one k as much as I possibly can. If you are not anywhere close to it, just just increase 1%, right? Every year. Maybe yeah. try to put one. You, I, 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 under, I don't miss it. You know, I, I've been yeah. making the sacrifice. I'm used to it. My family is used to it. And I think it can make a huge difference. Here's a talker. If you are a McDonald's fan, and I, for anyone who has had little children, well, I don't know what it is, <laughs> but at about the age of four or five, all of a sudden, all they ever want is to eat at McDonald's and get the Happy Meal.
1: Is, is that marketing Happy Meal? It I is I mean, brilliant. kids love it. Yeah. Well, yeah. of course,
0: because it's going to make you happy just by getting <laughs> one. So why wouldn't adults want them too, right? McDonald's came yes. out earlier this year with the adult Happy Meals, and they have these weird little figurines in them. And I'm thinking, like, what are they thinking I don't know. Once again, marketing at McDonald's. Leave it to McDonald's. These have now become these weird little grimaces and a hamburger and whatever have become these collector things, and people are paying like real money for them.
1: I don't get it. Is this I to me? It's just another sign we're rapidly approaching end times. I mean, a, adult happy. We have meals. collectively lost and, our minds. And I'm reading some of these quotes of people saying, "My, I, I'm so happy. My day is fulfilled. I've got my adult happy meal." Wow, that that's that's a little bit scary. but yeah, I mean, this one is the outlier. Somebody's listed one of these little figurines that that come in an adult happy meal for like three hundred grand uh, on eBay. Yeah, that ain't happening. But there's a whole bunch of them listed for like twenty or thirty bucks.
0: It's in its original packaging,
1: I know. I, I mean,
0: $300,000, it's almost a steal at this point. Can
1: you imagine your kid? You pay three hundred grand for what you think is a collectible, and the, your little kid just gets their hands on it and, and tears open the plastic, and now it's worth a buck. Ah,
0: <laughs> stupid human financial tricks. Yeah. This is exactly what that is. The new Beanie Babies. Uh, yes, don't. Don't, don't even go there, please. Do me a favor. <laughs> One of the most meaningful things you can do with your money is maybe not to buy a figurine from McDonald's and their Happy Meals, but passing along your financial legacy to your heirs. Uh, and baby boomers, interestingly, according to some new research, Shay, they're worried that these are high net worth investors. They've got a million dollars or more. Two thirds of them say they're concerned about their heirs using their inheritance wisely.
1: Well, it's a pretty common problem, and, yeah. and a normal discussion I have with people day in and day out about. Uh, okay, you know, getting a little bit older, and you know, my, my kids are good, but you know, I'm not. I'm a little concerned about the marriage. You know, their kids. I'm worried about their education. One kid's doing great, the other kid's struggling. Common, common stuff, and and that the biggest concern of of two thirds of high net worth individuals is a smooth transfer of my assets to the next generation and how do you accomplish that well i mean that's where beneficiary designations become real important but i'll I'll tell you what sometimes you don't necessarily have to have twelve million dollars to need a trust But in a trust, you can go ahead and put limitations. You can put strings on your money, and that's a fairly common tool of, okay, I don't want this kid to have this money until they're 25 or this grandkid. It can only be used for educational purposes. That's one of the things you can use to address your concerns.
0: Over the next 20 years, we are about to see the greatest transfer of wealth this yeah. country has ever seen. 73 trillion dollars is expected to pass to younger generations. Uh, another 11.9 trillion will be given to charities. Right, These, the baby boomers are, you know, have amassed money. They've worked hard. Many of them had pensions and social security and saved for themselves. And as a result, there's all this wealth that has built up that's being passed on. But it's so interesting, Steve, because there are, there's are such generational difference. And how people look at money, Uh, you know, I I can see the difference between my dad and I, and between my children and I. You know, what what we value, what we think working hard looks like. Uh, So many differences, and I'm, as you know, a huge advocate of just speaking openly. Yeah, communication is huge. Yeah, you know, if you're looking at your children and saying, "I don't understand this," ask. Why did you yeah. choose to do this? Or what, what is this about money? Just make sure that everyone is on the same page and make sure that everything is spelled out really closely in, in what you're doing. Here's the all-worth advice. Too many families fight over money after a loved one is gone. Have those important conversations now so that your financial legacy can be passed on in the most meaningful way possible. Coming up, Halloween, almost here. Thieves have unleashed scary new scams what you need to know to protect yourself next. You're listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money presented by Allworth Financial. I'm Amy Wagner, along with Steve Sprovac. You look at your phone, you got a text from mom. Well, usually you pick it up immediately and respond, but is that text really from your mom. Joining us tonight with a warning everyone needs to hear, Josiel Ehrlich, President and CEO of the Cincinnati Better Business Bureau. All right, mom is texting. You need to answer, right?
2: Uh, yeah, well, maybe not. Uh, scammers are using mom and dad, they're getting closer and closer to home, Gosh. to try and trick you into becoming their next victim. And they're using these text messages with a spoofed caller ID <clears throat> as their bait. They're counting on you to have the words "dad" and "mom" saved as a contact on your cell phone, and to your point, hoping you won't think twice before sending them money. So now somehow a scammer—hold
0: on—so somehow a scammer gets a hold of your parents' cell phone number,
2: or they're spoofing. No, they're spoofing it, but it comes across as dad or mom.
0: Oh, I and see. And most okay. people
2: see dad or mom and right away say, okay, pick it up. They don't look maybe at the number that might be underneath it.
0: Sure, okay.
2: Yeah. So you get a text from mom saying she left her wallet at home or she lost it or some such thing, and she's out shopping and she needs you to send money to some unknown bank account or a digital wallet so she can pay for what she bought. First, stop and think. If your parents typically don't text, don't respond to this at all. Mm-hmm. And if your parents generally don't involve you in their finances, or like my mom would have no idea what a digital wallet is, sure. there's a pretty good chance the text is not from them. So instead, if you do not have their number memorized by heart, uh, look it up in your contact list and call your parents and say, did you send this text and are you okay, Etc. Etc." Don't call the number displayed on the screen because, as you said, it may be spoofed. Then go back and delete the phone number of the imposter who supposedly forgot their wallet so they could get into yours.
0: So many times, Josia, what we've seen through the years is scammers just push on the sense of urgency. They, you know, Your parents right. need you. They need to help. Um, and this is one where, uh, you know, mom and dad, you know, I think for many people you don't even stop and think, but nowadays you have to.
2: Right. You have to. And, and think of the message here. I, mean, I can't even envision a situation where mom says, I forgot my wallet, not come down here, Johnny, and bring me some money, but instead dump some money in a bank account or yes. send me some money through a digital account. That, that's just not normal transactions. So you really stop and think and don't just respond emotionally to the fact that mom or dad allegedly texted you.
0: Great warning, as always, from Josiel Ehrlich, President and CEO of the Cincinnati Better Business Bureau. What other scams do we need to know about Josiel?
2: Well, speaking of banks, there's a phony bank text message uh, scam going around. Looks like it's a fraud alert from your bank, and I've personally gotten a couple of these. It might say something like, there's some unusual activity in your account. Uh, Did you approve a transaction for $1,000? Reply, yes or no. Stop there, folks. If you reply to that text, the scammer knows now that they have an active cell phone number and you're going to be their next target for this scam and who knows what other uh, cell phone scam based uh, scams there might be. Phase two of this is the scammer is going to call you to follow up and the number will appear in this caller ID as if it is coming from the bank. The caller will claim to be the bank representative who can stop the fraudulent charges but you'll have to set up a digital wallet, then send money to yourself using that app. It all gets a little convoluted here. The scammer is going to tell you how to connect the app to your bank account. Then they're going to ask you to verify the connection is active by sharing the code that your bank sent back to you. Uh. Do not do it. You know, if you give that scammer your verification code, They're going to set up another account with your phone number and email, but their bank account information. And they have complete access,
0: right? They've got access to your account now.
2: Yeah. When you send money to yourself, as they told you to do, you're actually sending money to the scammer. Mm -hmm. And you're kind of stuck here because disputing the charges is going to be extremely hard. Because as far as the bank is aware, you've already approved this transaction, even though you were tricked into it. And remember, sending money through a digital wallet app is like using cash, making it very hard to get your money back. Let's
0: talk about something that I have been hearing about a little bit more lately, uh, check washing fraud. Actually, I think this happened to um, not a client of ours, but one of our clients actually called and happened to a friend of theirs for a pretty big amount as well.
2: Right. Uh, You know, this is a very old scam, but it is coming back around years ago. Crooks washed stolen checks by removing all the handwritten payee information and amount information with chemicals and then changed those fields to whatever it is they wanted it to say. Well, the U.S. Postal Inspector is saying this is really being uh, resuscitated. They report that billions, billions with a B, dollars of counterfeit checks are generated annually. And occasionally these counterfeit checks are stolen from mailboxes. Well, I think everybody can remember just even this week we heard that reports of thieves getting hold of those keys that open up those blue mailboxes that are on street corners. Mm -hmm. Um, That's how this is happening. A lot of people pay their bills electronically. That's great. But there's also a lot of people who use checks regularly. And even those who prefer to use electronic checks, there are some times where you have to write a check if you do, you if you do have to write a check, make sure that you use a black gel ink pen instead of a ballpoint pen. Black gel ink is your best protection against check washing, since gel ink really resists chemical stripping and contains pigments which really soak into the fibers of the check and make it harder to wash. And if Just you need feel- to mail that check,
0: I was gonna say the instance it- that I heard about, the person was actually had written a check to a charity. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> intended it to go to the charity uh it was taken somehow out of the mailbox that mm-hmm. the intended person that the check was written to was changed and then several zeros added to the end of that check In in i saw a picture of it i couldn't believe it and then of course i went on youtube there are of course dozens and dozens hundreds of videos telling people exactly how to pull this off
2: yeah uh, and it you know you write a check best interests at heart you put it in your mailbox you flip up the little flag or you drop it in a blue box uh, and just expect that it's going to be picked up by who is intended to pick it up the post office and it's going to be delivered that is not the case anymore Mm. if you write a check you need to either hand deliver it and that's obviously not always easy to do or take it directly to the post office and mail it with them or put it in a blue box, for lack of a better word, you know, close to the time that you know that they're going to be picking it up.
0: Really quickly, I want to get to something else that you talk about, Joe's an inheritance scheme. What do we need to know about that?
2: Uh, if this is similar to the Nigerian letter scam, where you get a letter saying that you're in uh, entitled to all of this money, and they're going to help you get it, blah, blah, blah. In this case, uh, it's moved stateside. It's not from Nigeria. At least that's how it's being portrayed. You get a letter from a law firm. They're looking for the heir Mm -hmm. of a multimillion-dollar inheritance, and they think it might be you. Mm. Well, spoiler alert, it's not you. (laughs) The letter... (laughs) The letter continues with details that the inheritance will be split between, will be split. This is an inheritance now. It's going to be split between you, their law firm, and some charities. Now, isn't that so nice of them? So and nice. one other thing you need to know you need to keep this a secret and don't tell anybody. And you need to contact them by email immediately. Mm. Now, you probably figured this out, this isn't a letter from a lawyer, it's a scam, and if you email them, they're going to try to get as much of your personal information as possible, your social security number, your bank account numbers, your money, anything, everything they can get because you think that you're entitled to this inheritance. And that inheritance, rather than them sending you any money, they may end up taking yours.
0: Scammers, man, they're coming at you as they are your parents, as they are your bank, as they are a law firm. They're coming at you from every direction, which is why we appreciate so much when Jose Ehrlich joins us every month from president and CEO of the Better Business Bureau right here in Cincinnati with just this warning, right, of what you need to be watching out for. Make sure your friends and family members are watching out for these as well. You're listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money presented by Allworth Financial. I'm Amy Wagner, along with Steve Sproveck. Do you have a financial question you want us to talk about here on the show? There's a red button you can click on while you're listening to the show on the iHeart app. Just record your question. It's coming straight to us. We would love to talk about it right here on the show. Straight ahead, all of those credit card perks out there, making sense of them, which ones might best suit you? We're going to break that down for you. Paying for college, right? College expectations, college loans, student loans, all of that usually comes, Steve, as you know, about the time when you're starting to think, I need to ramp it up, saving for retirement. Mm-hmm. It, and for a lot of people, that whole helping your kids pay for college can really derail retirement plans.
1: Oh, it, it can. And, and, you know, the numbers are getting bigger and bigger every year. I, I'm just shocked at, I thought college was expensive when my kids were in college, and that's 15 15- Fifteen years ago. Yeah, almost 15 years ago. Um, they are a lot more expensive now. I, You know, would a graduating senior take out a 10-year, $100,000 mortgage before they got a job? No, but if you call it a student loan, they jump at it, you know. Yeah. And, and this is one of the problems that we've got with student loan debt in, in this country. And, and, you know, there are some basic mistakes that kids and their parents are making.
0: So new research out from Voya says that 81% of those who have student loans say it, really, it very much affects their ability to save for retirement, right? So it's like it's a generational thing. You've got parents making sacrifices that affect yep. their retirement. You've got children taking on more in student loans than they can. You know, many of them, we talk about kind of failure to launch. Well, many of them can't buy houses, can't save for retirement because every penny that they're not you know, eating or paying for rent or gas is going to student loans. And so I think conversations, and I'm a huge advocate of this, starting in middle school, right? What can we (laughs) afford? What makes sense? Uh, You know, and, and and, you know, kids can have big dreams. And I'm I'm not about, like, squashing people's dreams of going to these big colleges. But, you know, my daughter, for whatever, literally because of palm trees and, and pictures she's seen on Instagram several years ago, said, I'm going to South Carolina. Right. I, I I'm sure the campus is beautiful. Right. I'm sure it would be a lovely, very fun college experience. She doesn't even know what she wants her major to be yet, right? And I've had to say, "Hey babe, you can visit South We're not we're not going there. You know, we are we can't <laughs> In-state tuition is what makes sense for us. Look at all these lovely schools here in Kentucky. Well, you got
1: eighteen kids. You got to put through college. So really? yeah, you got to call it. Yeah.
0: Yes, four teenagers right now. But I, I think that parents, it's, it it feels difficult to like have this. You know, you want your kids to think I can do anything yeah. I want. You know, but when it comes to college, okay, maybe they can. But you know. To go to this majorly expensive school with this great bumper sticker that you can put on your car, and then all of a sudden they are a philosophy major, right. and they're going to make $40,000, how are they going to pay off those loans? And I, I've, I've used this example before, but a friend of mine, for journalism majors, right? I was a broadcast journalism major. You know you're not going to make a ton when you get out <laughs> of school. a big
1: bucks, exactly. This
0: guy um, that I worked with at a, at a station here in Cincinnati had gone to a private school. He right? had, had a great time a great college experience. He was $80,000 in debt, mm-hmm. making about $40,000 a year. Like it, it just the numbers don't yeah. work out.
1: Yeah. I, I'm still getting over you saying you talk to your kids when they're in middle school about how they're going to pay for college. Oh my, goodness. <laughs> my but poor you know, children. And I think we all want our kids to have, you know, have it easier than, than we did. You know, I yes. had a pretty, pretty rough. I mean, my parents didn't have any money and I paid my way through college and so do my wife. And, and you know, you, you do what you've got to do. But, you know, if if you want to make it easier on your kids going to Yale or Harvard or someplace where they're not going to get a scholarship might not be the first thing that you want jumping into your head. It, it might be, hey, OK, that sounds great. You want to go there. Let's start researching together what kind of scholarships and grants we can get before jumping at the student loan. Everybody out there says, "Okay, you know, what do I need to do get get in this school? Okay, what paper do I need to sign? And, and, you know, no. How about first get the grants, get the scholarships that you don't have to pay back? I think that that solves a lot of problems right off the bat.
0: We had Al Riddick on our show last week. He's the CEO of Game Time Budgeting. And he he was talking to me about, you know, what 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 your kids can be expected. And he said, listen, when your kids get to high school, their job, if they want to go to college, is to make sure that they position themselves uh, to get as much money as they possibly can. And that means maybe taking AP classes, taking dual credit classes where some of those credits transfer and you've already got them in high school and maybe you don't have to go to college as long. You know, Learning how to study for the ACT, taking those test preparation classes because that way they're doing their part to set themselves up to be successful. And I thought that's a really interesting way to think about that. Your child's job in high school is to do everything they can to prepare themselves for college.
1: I I agree totally. And I'll tell you another thing. I mean, you know, the big problem is too much debt. It's okay for your kid to work while they're in college. I did. My wife did. I I average 20 hours a a week uh, working to, you know, pay for all the incidentals and help out with tuition and and, and that sort of stuff um, while I'm at school. And, and, you know, a lot of parents are like, well, I want them to focus on their studies. Let me tell you something. Maybe things have changed, but when I was in college— The kids that were told by their parents, we don't want you to work. We want you to focus. They were the biggest partiers. So don't don't – don't kid yeah. yourself. <laughs> the,
0: the classes only take so much time. Exactly. And then what's left over, you're either working or you're partying. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's, you make a great point there, too. And I would also say okay, uh, so maybe you've gone and you've researched all the scholarships that you can get, and you've gotten the scholarships and the grants, yeah. and now you're looking at the federal loans. If you still can't afford that school after you've maxed out what the, the, what the federal loans would be, and you're looking at private loans, maybe they just can't afford that
1: school. Yeah. Yeah. They and fe- federal loans have a big advantage. There's a lot Huge. more flexibility on repayment. Some actually have forgiveness separate from what the, the recent uh, proposals out of Washington are. And the repayment schedule is usually tied to your income in the job that you get after college. So yeah, don't jump at private loans. Yeah. People want to give you they want to give you money if you've got good credit. Um, stick with federal and max that out before you go elsewhere.
0: And read the fine print, right? Make sure that you and your child very much understands what they're going to be facing when they get out of school. Here's the all-worth advice. Borrowing money first, then maybe worrying about how you're going to pay it off later is not the way to go here. Do the research. Educate yourself and your children. Figure out what can be afforded first. Paying off your credit card balance every month? Okay, then that's a big check on the list. We're going to explore which cards might offer you the most benefits and perks next. You're listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money presented by Allworth Financial. I'm Amy Wagner along with Steve Sprovac. Right now, when things cost so much more for everything, right, you're often looking at, okay, how can I make dollars stretch? How can I make the most out of everything that I've got coming in? This is, I think, a good time to look at credit cards. And are you yeah. using the right credit card for you? And the big caveat here is if you're paying it off every month, right? Yeah. If you're paying off that balance in full, of, if if you're not, then don't even worry about the perks because you're you're going to lose them in the interest that you're paying. But if you're paying that full balance, then look at okay at this stage of my life, right? What kind of credit card perks actually work the best for me?
1: Well, and I, I pay attention to perks, but I also pay attention to okay which one comes out of my wife's account that she pays for, and which one comes out of mine. I, I'll never I'll never buy gas with Amex. I don't care what the rewards are because I pay that one. So, yeah. that, so this is this is what this Provac household does. Not necessarily good simply money advice, but you know that's the way it works. but no it, it you want to pay attention to your rewards. no question.
0: I think it's actually kind of the stage of your life that you're in. and here's what I mean. When you have little kids, there are credit cards out there that actually will do a match for their 529. Uh, Brian James who works with us started this when his kids were little and it is amazing how much money when they got to the college age, right? That could make a lot of sense as a perk or maybe it's cash back. But you know, maybe when your kids get older and you're looking to travel and I can tell you, we've got four teenagers now. If we want to travel and fly somewhere. That's insanely expensive. So we get Delta rewards. We yeah, get Marriott yeah. rewards. We've got both of those credit cards because we like those travel rewards. And I think thinking through those things kind of make a lot of sense.
1: No question. And, and I, I like Delta. I not uh, you know um, For one reason, it's got a high annual fee, but you get a free flight once a year that offsets, in my view, the, the cost of the annual fee.
0: And you make a great point. Pay attention to that fee. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Tune in tomorrow. We're going to talk about the major impact inflation is having on your retirement saving and what you can do about it. You've been listening to Simply Money, presented by Allworth Financial on 55KRC, the talk station.